Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Hello and welcome back to another version, another interview on Sovereign Self. I'm Sophia Renea Morales, and we're weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Today, our guest is Marla Goldberg. She's an energy healer, intuitive speaker, teacher, and host of Guided Spirit Conversations podcast, as well as a best-selling author. Marla began her journey back in 2003 when her life hit rock bottom and she had nowhere to turn. Today, Marla has been trained in over 20 different healing modalities and works with her clients in clearing blocks and programming and guiding them to live the life they were divinely meant to live. Marla began her podcast to bring what she calls her TTTs, her tools, tips, and techniques to her listeners so they can easily incorporate these valuable shifts into their lives to enhance or to change their current life's experiences. And she weaves these tips into her conversations with fellow healers, spiritualists, psychics, and mediums. Marla further expertly shares her real-life experiences in her latest book, My Fucking Long Journey to Loving Myself, A Guide to a Shorter Path, (laughs) and her mission to help others enhance and transform their lives. And I've got to tell you, Marla, I love, 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 love that title. And I wish I'd had... I wish I'd had that book like 25 years ago. (laughs) And that's when I wrote it, to save people time. You know, I had to go through the experiences um, so that I could write this book and so I could help other people shorten their, you know, their their journey in that regard. And speaking of your journey, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you started from? What was like like before you hit this rock bottom point? And Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so just fill us in on, on what you looked like before spirit started leading your life. You know, it was um, from the outside, it looked like very nice window dressing, but on the inside, it was full of insecurities and uh, value questioning, you know, you know unworthiness issues. Because um, my upbringing was really, you know, everybody has some form, um, or I should say most people have some form of dysfunction. Mine had to do with abandonment and neglect growing up. And though my parents, I think, tried to do the best they could with what they had, the tools in their toolbox were very sparse. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was left on my own for a very, at a very young age. So I lived in Chicago, the city of Chicago, growing up. And... I used to, at 10 years old, take two buses and a train just to go to a doctor's appointment on my own. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, I mean, at the time, I thought it was the most normal thing in the world that if you want to get someplace, you go and you do it. But later on, learning that that was not really a a, a functional or healthy thing to be doing. Yeah, and and it wasn't safe. I mean, this is Chicago, what, (laughs) 35 years ago or something. But it was much safer than it is today. Oh, still. <laughs> still is right. And I used to take skating lessons, and I would live at the skating rink, and I'd have to take two buses. And 
coming home on a Friday or Saturday night, it would be the rink closed down at 10, 10, 15, and I'd go and wait on a bus, you know, and I'd find my way home. And I had my, my whole thing. I would always look for lights to be on in the neighborhoods to see who was awake. And I would take my, my ice skating blade cover off just so that in case something would happen, I would have something to protect myself with. Well, I, I, ice skates will do some damage. <laughs> they can, but I'm lucky I didn't have to use them. But I, you know, I, I kept, little did I know that I, you know, I was getting intuitive guidance on what to do and how to protect myself. And so this was one example. And as I grew up, I ended up becoming a serial entrepreneur. I had formed four companies before this practice. Uh, so I had an event management company where I produced events nationwide for corporations. Wow. Uh, the candy manufacturing business where I was distributed in 26 states in Puerto Rico. During my divorce, I started a pet taxi, so I schlepped pets. <laughs> they care and doctor. Oh, I loved my pets. Marla the pet schlep. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And then the latest was before this was a bakery. I started a bakery. And, but what happened was during my first marriage, which was between the candy manufacturing and the uh, pet taxi, um, I married a man who I had dated when I was younger for a short period of time, and he was this wonderful man, and I knew he had gone through a lot of stuff. Um, and friends of ours got us together, and he kept bringing his children. His wife had passed away of a brain aneurysm, and you know he kept bringing his children into our dating, and I just saw the road that they were going to be traveling. Mm. And the Savior in me said, oh, I can, I can help them. I'm going to change them and, and make their life better and give them memories and give them what they didn't have before. But it was like, you know, being with their father was very stressful because he was an alcoholic who had a temper problem. Mm. So he was not a happy drinker. He would get angry and mean. And so eventually I said enough. And, you know, it was at this time that I hit rock bottom. So you guys had gotten married or you were still dating? Or? We got married. And I the kids a week before the wedding, the boys asked me to adopt them. And oh. silly me thought, oh, they want to be bonded. They want to be a family unit. And everybody in my life kept saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, oh, no, but they want to be joined. Little did I realize that their father probably talked them into doing it. And they did what their father said. Oh. And... So I adopted them, and I raised them as my own. And um, so during, during the point where I was like, I was at a wall, and I was in a really bad place. It was prior to the divorce. You know, I was filing for divorce, but I had just had enough. And I heard about this woman's conference, and there was a woman talking about how to heal yourself. And I thought, I need that because whatever I've been doing has not been working. Nothing's been changing. I had been in talk therapy since uh, a month after I got married. Oh, wow. And they kept saying, you know, if you change, everything will change with you. Not the case. I'm changing. Nothing else is changing with me. And it's, I, I'm like a salmon swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. And um, I heard this woman talk, and everything she said resonated. You know, she'd ask a question. My hand would jolt up. And, you know, I might as well have just left it up there because everything she asked, I'm like, yeah, that's me. 
That's right. it's just me. Yeah, great big arrow pointing right here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, neon. <laughs> and so she had an informational the following week, so I went to it. And even though I couldn't wrap my mind around what, uh, you know, she was trying to share, I just kept hearing a voice saying, you need this, keep going with it. And, the, you know, she said, okay, who's going to sign up for my four-day basic? And hand shot up, signed up. And it's when I had my first psychic experience. Oh, wow. My first knowing that I knew I was having a psychic experience. And there was an exercise that we were to do with a partner. We go knee to knee. One, one person was a receiver and one person was the giver. So the giver's hand would sit on top of the receiver's hand. And we were taught how to ground. And then we were supposed to just hear messages or see messages, whatever, get your messages, retrieve them, and then share them at the end of the period of time. And I remember going, please, please don't let me disappoint this woman. Please don't let me disappoint my partner. Give me something, just something. Anything. I I was begging. (laughs) And I received three visions. And one of them was a pair of little hands playing piano. One of them was a big braid. And then the braid turned into a rope bridge. And when I shared this with my partner, she said that she had lived in Virginia and she would walk to town and she'd have to cross a rope bridge to get there. Oh, wow. It was one confirmation. Second confirmation was that she would grow her hair long and then she would have a ritual of going into the forest and rubber banding both sides, snipping it, and then saving her braid. Oh, wow. And then the third was she knew how to play piano, and though her her home was very sparsely furnished, I think they were all living in one room. It was her, her husband, and two kids living in one big room. They had a piano, and she was trying to teach her children how to play piano. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so incredible. I can't believe that was me because for the longest time I was so in my head, I didn't receive any messages. My girlfriend was very intuitive. It's like, how come I can't get this? What's wrong with me? Why can't this happen for me? And, of course, you know, so many years down the road, I now know when you're so in your head and all you can do is loop your thoughts and get stuck with where you are. It gets in the way. It gets in the way. You can't hear the messages. It's like if you're in your car with loud music blaring, you can't hear a siren of warning. Yeah, and then you see the lights back there and go, where'd they come from? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly it. So that's what brought me to going to my first mystery school. That's interesting. Uh, Would you share with us what her her designated modality was, or was there a designated modality? Actually, so there is a woman, Barbara Brennan. I didn't go to Barbara Brennan School in, in Florida, and... What I found out, because I I was friends with a gal who was going to Barbara Brennan, we were learning similar modalities at the same time. The school, um, by the end of three years, where I, when I graduated, I was trained in about 14 healing modalities. So there was verbal hands-on and distant healing. Mm-hmm. And so and what was great is the teacher's philosophy, and I paraphrased by saying, you have to clean out your own closets before you can help anybody clean out theirs. Amen. So we had to do intensive clearing. So not only did we have to practice on other people, we had to have so many done on ourselves. So by the end of the three years, I don't, I don't think there was one person in my class, including myself, which was a late bloomer, that cracked open and had a major shift in their life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And then they tend to materialize in very concrete ways. It's like you, the, your marriage ends or you start a new career or your health takes a turn either for the better or the worse. <laughs> and all of those happened for me because the school gave me the strength to just trust that I'll be taken care of. So I filed for divorce and then I finished up, you know, while I was going through the divorce, I finished up school and started learning additional modalities and got the divorce and things moved forward. And, you know, it's a lot of work, but I'm, I'm in a place of joy and happiness and gratitude on a daily basis. Yeah, and it's so wonderful to make that shift into that moment. Um, we will shortly be going to commercial break, but when we come back from the break, I would like to talk to you a little bit about what that turning point was, that dark night of the soul. Okay. Okay. And Perfect. before we go to break here, I'm going to just let everybody know that you can find us both on Facebook. I am Zofia Renea, the Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And Marla can be found on Facebook at marla.goldberg.9. And we are always pleased to consider, continue these conversations after the show. So with that, we will go to break and we'll see you back here in a little bit. And we'll hear about Marla's Dark Night of the Soul. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel some encounters are mysterious connecting us with something larger or with feelings of joy and wonder tune in to experiences and creative melodies that move the soul with host danielle burns for gifts of inner wisdom you'll hear real stories interviews and songs of the archetypal sacred from a deep healing perspective Enjoy soothing harmonies of love, psyche, and soul every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. 
Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in through the break with us. If you are not a Facebook person, but you prefer uh, Twitter or Instagram, you can find me on Twitter at Zofia Renea, that's C-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And Marla has a Twitter account of MG Healer. That's M as in Marla, G as in Goldberg, Healer. Uh, And we would love to hear from you. So we are back and talking with Marla Goldberg, and she was going to share with us what her rock bottom looked like, what her dark night of the soul was. So Marla, pick that up for me. What was it that was the straw that, that broke the camel's back, so to speak? Well, I, I was under a tremendous amount of stress and um, very depressed. I mean, so much so that I thought I was having a heart attack. And... My chest was just killing me, and I couldn't get my ex-husband, well, while we were married, my husband up, so I ended up driving myself to the hospital. Oh, my God. And then finally, he called me looking for me, and it's like, well, I'm in the hospital. I tried to get you up, et cetera, et cetera, and he came to the hospital with the boys, stayed like 10 minutes, and turned around and left. (gasps) No. Yeah, and I was just like, I can't do this. I just can't keep doing I was so depressed. I was despondent, and I didn't know what to do, um, where to go, who to turn to, because obviously therapists, the therapy wasn't doing what it needed to do for me. Though I really love my therapist, it was like a hard case. Mm-hmm. And again, then I found this woman and, and talking about how to heal yourself and started following that path because – I was desperate and it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm listening to. I don't know what I'm participating in. I don't understand it, but I'm going with it because anything is better than nothing. So I was just trying to pick up some crumbs to help give me, you know, put tools in my tool chest. You know, my mother was, was unable to, she was incapable of giving me good advice because she didn't, you know, she hadn't my whole life. Yeah. She, she didn't have anything better to work from than you did. Right. And yeah. so that's what it looked like. And, and it was, for me, just very dark and, and, and scary because, you, do, you know, it's like feeling around trying to find your, your path and not finding the light at the end of the tunnel or at the end of the hallway where you can say, okay, this is the direction I need to go in until I went to this woman's conference and, um, and following it. And then when I went to that four-day basic I was talking about prior – and I had my first psychic experience, and there were still many things that didn't that I didn't understand, that I couldn't wrap my mind around. But yet, there were some experiences that were really great. Yes, such as that that my first psychic experience, knowing psychic experience. Um, and so I just kept going down the road of going to this school, and up until the time I filed for divorce, I would just like I would sign up as I would need to, and then prior to of going for the divorce, I signed up for all the classes, so I knew that I would have those covered. Exactly. We'll take care of it up front, then everything else we'll figure out later. (laughs) Exactly. That was exactly it. I love that. I love that. Now, I want to dig into something with you. 
Okay. Yes. You had this feeling, this knowing, this urge, I forget how you described it, that you needed some of what this lady had to offer. Yes. Tell me in more detail how that knowingness arrived for you, because I know it arrives differently for everyone. (laughs) So for me, it was, um, I'm trying to think how I best, best can say this. It was like a voice in my head, but I thought it was my own thoughts because I didn't, you know, at this point, I still wasn't able to differentiate between guidance and my own ego telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was, I said, I don't know if I should do this. And I heard someone say, you need to do it because nothing else is working. So, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I signed up. And then, you know, the next one would come and it's like, who's going to do this? And it's like, you better raise your hand because you still need help. And, <laughs> and this went on and there were nine modules. And the weird thing is, is I'd go through this and I'd see everybody having their breakthroughs and their epiphanies and, and you know, their soul integrations. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with me? How come it's not happening? And the eighth mod, it was the first day we were in class for 30 minutes and I was handing the teacher a paper and she said something to me and she said, well, I see it now. It was abandonment and neglect in your life and I cracked open like an egg. And I, I didn't cry for five days. I wailed for five days. I was probably the most disruptive individual in class. And I just wouldn't stop. The waterworks just kept going and going and going. And it was actually to the point where I actually prayed for angels to help me get home. Because at this point, I wasn't staying at the center where the school was being held. I had to go home and take care of my animals. I yes. Multiple so dogs. Emotionally distraught. You're a hazard. And, yeah, and it's like, uh, and I would pray, like, okay, angels, get me get me home safely, get me home safely. And then it was get me to class safely, get me to class safely. And then finally, the last day, as soon as the class was over, I stopped crying and got home. And then it was the ninth mod, three months later, and it was graduation. And again, walked into the class, starts crying, crying. I cried through the, the class. I cried through graduation, graduated. I was fine and went on with life. And, and, and the thing is, is I never thought I'd be a healer helping anybody else. I just figured I'd do this for myself and for friends. And that was it. I call myself the reticent healer because spirit actually took me kicking and screaming to get me where I am today. <laughs> yeah, we, we share that in common. I, I, they had to really smack me down before I was ready to go, okay, all right, fine. I will do this. <laughs> Exactly. I love that. I love that. And I love the way you describe that voice because it's it carries some commonalities with my voice of intuition as well. It's very matter of fact and to the point. And very yeah. natural. It's like you just need to do this. Okay. It doesn't come with any of the other stuff that usually comes with the ego conversation, right? It doesn't come with, ooh, lots of anticipation of this or fear of that or any of those other emotional hangers on. It's just, this is what needs to happen. Cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And that's what happened. And, and it's like, okay. And I just, you know, followed it. But I was desperate. I had no choice because if I didn't follow it, it took me back to, you know, the dark place. Yep. And I just couldn't be in that place any longer. Absolutely. It was saving myself. Oh, yes, indeed. So at what point in this journey did you discover that you're beginning to love yourself? Oh, my goodness. Um, way down the road. Uh, I'm trying to think. So it was probably, I started a prayer, uh, a prayer practice, a gratitude and prayer practice uh, right after my divorce. And I, there was, it was during the time of my pet taxi. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, as I was driving to go get my animals, I would, my charges, I would say my prayer, and they were long, and they were detailed. And I went through, don't bring this to me, bring this to me, and my whole manifestation thing. And I was very, very detailed. And it probably took about 20, 25 minutes every morning to get my prayers, to get through my prayers. Mm-hmm. And I... um and I, as I was doing that, I was realizing about what I deserved and what I didn't, what I no longer wanted. Yes. And that was start of a process. And it was during, but it was during the class and, and the people I knew were teaching me different techniques. So some of my, my favorites are, um, I was so angry and so, and I used to repress my anger. So to try to get the anger up and the frustration, the stress, I would play tennis and I would visualize the stressor, usually my former husband's face on the ball. <laughs> and as I would, you know, serve, I would just use all my might to get it off the net. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with boxing. I would go out and work out, and I had somebody who would spar with me, and they'd hold up the gloves, and I'd see the faces in the, what I call the sweet spot of the glove, which is in the middle. And I would just, you know, let it out, and he, and he would always know where I was emotionally by how hard I hit him, you know, <laughs> hit his pads. So I would find reasons that. And then I learned about the bat. Mm. And I went and I got a plastic child's bat. And I would go down to my, my basement was my healing space. And I had my massage table. And I would go down there and I would just whap, take the bat to the massage, you know, to the mattress of the table with all my might. And it didn't take long to bring up and release you know, things that I had bottled up and it, I had to do it in layers. And actually it got to a point where I hit this bat so hard that it broke into pieces and flew <sighs> all over my basement. <laughs> That's how angry, how much anger I was getting up and out. And so... Oh my goodness. And, and you killed a wiffle ball bat. That's impressive. <laughs> I killed a wiffle ball bat. Yes, I did. And... Didn't know I was that strong, did you? <laughs> and then I I would do things like, the you know, Louise Hay and mirror practice. And I started journaling and started putting everything in my journal, knowing that I'm not going to be judged in my journal because the only one who's going to judge me would be me. And so I would try, you know, I learned about neutrality and I would try to do everything with as much neutrality as I could. And... So these are some of the, the techniques that I, I use to, to sort of learn to forgive mm-hmm. others, myself, learn to accept myself, as I like to say, warts, wrinkles, and all. <laughs> and 
you know, in, in every capacity. Um, and because Debbie Ford, her book was really helpful for me too, reading um, Dark Knight of the Soul. Oh. No, no, wait, Dark Knight of the Light Chasers, I think it was, something like that. It was, it was that book where she talked about, you know, the other, what I call the other side of the coin, the duality, and how you can make it negative, or you could realize that there's a purpose to the, the negative, perceived negative side, as I like to say now. Yeah, exactly. What the, what the, what the personality perceives as being negative, yes. <laughs> That's what it is, because what's negative to one is not necessarily negative to another. No, it's neutral as far as the higher self is concerned. It's like, this is part of why we came here. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, in human form, you know, one could say that being called a bitch is a negative thing and make you bristle. But then the positive side of being called a bitch is that you obviously needed to dig in and bear down to get something taken care of that you needed taken care of. And you might have had to bring this side of your personality out for someone to take you seriously. Exactly. And sometimes that's what's required. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes being called a bitch is not an, an you know, a terribly horrible thing. Exactly. It's an affirmation that you've drawn a firm boundary. <laughs> exactly. And they you didn't know, like it too bad. <laughs> right. And, but that's a, that, that book helped open me up to realize that when people called you names or said something or were projecting their opinions on you or judgments, that's, that's on them. It's yes. not necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. It says much more about the person calling the name than it does the person receiving it. Exactly. But as, you know, as we're socialized growing up, you know, we're, we're judged and we're, you know, we're told we're bad, we're good, we're yeah, you know, good girls and well-behaved and yeah. Exactly. And so then you, you know that if someone says, oh, you're a bitch, oh, it's supposed to be such a negative, horrible thing. And so it gets imprinted on you. Mm-hmm. Well, this book helped to, to erase some of these imprints and allow me to you know, accept who I was and, and realize I'm a pretty great person. You know, I'm, you know, being aggressive. Well, if I'm aggressive or assertive, there's obviously a reason for me to have to do that, whether it's to feel that I need to protect myself or protect something that's going on in my world. Exactly. But I used to perceive it as, oh, my God, I'm a horrible individual. No. And then now I go, no, not so much. I really appreciate who I am because... You know, all the both sides of the coin has have made me into who I am today. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. So, I I want to hear how you came to write your book because it's one thing to take this long fucking journey to loving yourself, <laughs> and it's a whole another thing to dedicate a lot of hours to spelling out and dissecting and building that out for other people. And it was a very vulnerable thing for me to do. I mean, I was showing my undie, under, undie, underbelly. Um, <laughs> Feels like undies, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it does. <laughs> but I was, um, I was working with this group, and they're like, you need to write a book. And I'm like, oh, write a book. Because I had five psychics tell me in one year that I would be writing a book. And I kept saying, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, There's no. nothing I have to say. Nobody's going to want to hear it. You know, on and on and on. And now so you weren't just a reticent healer. You were a reticent writer as well. <laughs> absolutely. Because I, I kept thinking, who's going to want to hear what I have to say? And then I was talking to a friend of mine, and 
we were talking about my life and how I got to where I am, very similar to this. And she said, you need to share this with people. And I'm like, do you really think people would be interested in this? And I went through a lot of different versions before I came up with the version that I used. And I felt that because it took me so long and I learned so many lessons and I went through so many bad decision-making moments <laughs> and I made so many decisions that didn't serve me, <laughs> that if I could help somebody shorten their path to making these kinds of decisions, releasing anger, stress, frustration, negative belief systems, um, and incorporating ways to, to forgive others for their projections, for their, their ways of socializing one, and then learning how to forgive themselves for the, the judgments that they've cast upon themselves. Because as you know, we are our own worst critics, and nobody would beat us up as badly as we beat ourselves up. Oh my God, isn't that the truth? And so if this book can help somebody shorten that journey, then I am just so happy and grateful that everything I've experienced was experienced for the good for somebody else. Exactly. And so what I chose to do, because I made this partially nonfiction, and the other part is self-help. So what I wanted to do is I have 14 of the what I call the most powerful tools and techniques that have helped me. And then I interjected them into my story prior to my knowing about these tools and techniques. Like if I knew about this, then I would have used X, Y, and Z in this place and these things in this place. And mm. so it gives people a roadmap as to where I would have used them prior to the knowledge. And then and where I did use them once I, incorporated them exactly and real good examples of how to apply them right <laughs> exactly yeah that's wonderful and so that's that's what came to me and and I was I like the format because I haven't seen a format like this before and where it's like no take this technique use it here you know this is this or this is where I would have used it when I've had heartbreak disappointment um, when I failed you yeah, know, and realizing that failure is not a negative, shameful thing, place to be in. It's a place as a stepping stone to get to the next level. Exactly. And failure oftentimes brings with it some of the seeds of the best stuff. Because I know for myself, my personality gets caught up in what I expect the outcome of this is going to be. And it's usually like this really straight line. <laughs> And, and that is straight line. Not what my soul has in mind. <laughs> There's a sharp left on that road. <laughs> and it looks like failure, but it wasn't failure. It was to put me onto the proper path to bring me into something even better. And there are lessons to be learned while you're being put on this new path. So it's like, okay, this didn't work, but it's not because you're a failure. It's you just needed to learn this, that, or the other thing. Might be how to be a better bookkeeper. Might be how to be humble. And not so egotistical about something. I mean, there, uh, there's, you know, thousands of pages or, or ways I can explain it. But I know you, you and I think the audience would understand it's pretty basic. But when I do space clearing, which is one of my modalities, when you look for the chi, the chi flow in a space, it's not a linear straight line. Chi flows in curves and you may go back and then you go in and then you go out and around and... It just, there's a flow to it. And it's, it's like if you follow the path of a river or, or the way cows walk. 
They don't walk straight lines. They, they curve. meander. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it just reminds me of Boston. When I started driving in Boston, Massachusetts, the streets were so crazy. And someone explained to me that what they did is they followed the paths that the cows made, and that's how they made their streets. So sometimes it just doesn't seem like there's a rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> but there was. But back there in was. Day. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not a bad thing to follow the cow path because it's been well trodden, it's packed down, it's smooth, and they take the easiest route. <laughs> the path of least resistance. Exactly. Exactly so. So we are coming up on our next break. I want to encourage everyone out there in Facebook land and Voice America land to stay with us. Uh, if you would like to continue the conversation with us after everything wraps up today, you can find me on LinkedIn at Zofia Renea Morales. That's Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A-M-O-R-A-L-E-S. And Marla can be found on LinkedIn at Marla-Levitt. That's L-E-V-I-T-T-Goldberg-1-B-B-B-5. B8. <laughs> and we will catch you on the flip side of the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you so much for hanging in through the break. I am back here with Marla Goldberg, and we are talking about some of her experience in becoming an author and writing her book. And I'd kind of like to dig a little more detail into that book, Marla, if you will. I know you put a lot of your TTTs in there, your tips, tools, and techniques. What are some of your favorites? So one of my favorites, and I know the people who are not on Facebook can't see it, but I have this um, bracelet that I've designed that says clear delete times three. And what I find that's really important, and I've been doing this for years, and there are days that this clear delete becomes a mantra for me because we're human and we have human thoughts. But what I've learned is that, you know, sometimes you'll put out something that's not nice, whether it's about yourself or somebody else or somebody cuts you off driving and you go, that rasa frasa. I hope the cops kept up with him. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to wish anything ill for anybody because right. it comes back to you. So you realize you've done that and you go clear delete, clear delete, clear delete. I know you say it a little bit differently, but I go in three, you know, say everything three times. Um <clears throat> And it just reminds me to stay more impeccable with my thoughts um, or if I put something out there to, to stop it from moving further into the ether so it doesn't come back to me and bring me the, you know, the negative energy that I'm putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. Backsies. So that's one of my favorites. Another one that I uh, – technique that I love – is I have a screen pillow. And that too, I'm going to show the Facebook people, I've designed. And I've showed you a place where you put your mouth when you scream. (laughs) There are clear instructions here. (laughs) Clear instructions. And you know what it is. Scream here. But just like the bat or the, the, the boxing or the tennis ball playing, whatever it might be, by screaming into a pillow, it just helps to bring up some of the anger, stress, frustration that you might be dealing with and get it up and out. I am not a great crier. You know, there are people that are, and I find crying very cathartic, but it just isn't easy to come by for me. This helps me get it up and get it out. And then you just feel so much lighter. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes, it makes all the difference in the world. And one of the things that I love about your first tip is it's so portable. It's a really easy thing to do. You just have to remember to do it. And I love the idea of putting it on a bracelet, tying it around your wrist. It's like, yes, there it is. That's what I'm supposed to be doing right there. It doesn't get lost the way sticky notes do. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. And you take it everywhere. Mm. You know, sticky notes you can't take because it'll unstick and fly away somewhere. And then people are going, what's this clear delete 3X? What? <laughs> Right, but then it's a conversation piece, too. Absolutely, and you get to share it with other people. And you can share how the results have been for you. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, it's, it's worked wonders. But I've been doing this now for probably 10-plus uh, years, you know, the clear delete. And it, has, it just reminds me to be more impeccable with my words and my projections and my feelings about things, not just towards other, but also towards myself. 
especially towards yourself. I had this conversation with my husband the other day because he's, he's a very responsible guy. And if he gives his word on, so he will kill himself to keep his word, basically. And I was talking with him about, you know, talking a little nicer to himself because he had shared with me some thoughts that he'd thought about himself. And I said, would, would you be that mean to me? He's like, no, I would never say that to you that way. Okay, so why do you talk to yourself that way? He says, well, because I have a standard I need to keep, a standard I need to meet. I'm like, are you saying that I don't have a standard that I keep to? And that if you ask me nicely, I won't hit that standard? He says, no, you always, you know, do what you, you're going to do and, and you hit the standard that I expect. I'm like, okay, so why do you need to be mean to yourself to hit that same standard? That's Ooh. so true. That's Ooh. so true. And it goes back to what we said in the last segment about, you know, nobody, you know, you wouldn't treat a dog as bad as you treat yourself with the worst thoughts and, and projections you put on yourself. Absolutely. And it binds you down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of there are a lot of people that are becoming aware and they understand this. And there are a lot of people who don't really think about it in terms of what the repercussions of doing this to yourself or to others is about. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, you know, it's great that you brought this up to your husband and hopefully he, he pays attention. He's up and he's aware and goes, Oh, you know what? You've got a really good point there. He's a scientist. He agreed to do an experiment for a week. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fair. And <laughs> you can experiment with it for a week. He's, he's still in the week. So we'll uh, find out. Okay. He's not going to draw any premature conclusions. Because he's a scientist. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) So those are two wonderful tips. Do you have a third one to round it out for Um, us? I have a gratitude practice. And there's nothing for me better than being grateful. And I start my, I have a, I was telling you before the show, I have a prayer practice. And my prayer practice to this day still takes a long time. And it's broken down into segments. But the first segment is waking up and being grateful for absolutely everything that happened the day before and everything that's going to happen to me the more, you know, coming up in this day. And I'm grateful because everything is a lesson, opportunity, gift, or a combination thereof. And then I get into finite detail about what I'm grateful for my opportunities, my practice, and then I break it down, my podcast, my book, that I actually wrote it, that I published it. People are reading it. They're responding to it. You know, for everything that I have, um, I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my loving pet companions. I'm grateful for spirit. And I always tell spirit how grateful I am, that spirit and all my spiritual beings are behind me. And so if you can visualize like a pair of hands standing behind you so that if you start falling back, they've got you. Yep, they catch you. <laughs> they catch you. And I thank Spirit every day for that. And I also thank for, uh, Spirit for every experience that I've had, positive and perceived negative, in my life to this very moment from, the, from my very existence, for that has formed me into who I am today. Absolutely. And if you'd have not taken that sharp left, you'd have been someplace else. Exactly. And I may not be... 
you know, who I am and have had the growth that I've had and been able to release as much as I've been able to release. And so gratitude to me, and before I go to bed, I, I start instead of counting sheep or numbers or saying a mantra, I start talking about what I'm grateful for that happened in the day, a conversation, a moment, a cloud, you know, whatever it might be, a picture that I took, you know, because everything you know, is there to enhance your life in one way or another. Even though it may not seem like that way in the moment, there's a reason for it happening. Absolutely. And I remind myself of that when it looks like I'm about to take a big bite out of a shit sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a gift in here. (laughs) Exactly. And can I put some salt and pepper on that to make it a little more palatable? How about some mustard? (laughs) Let's really cover it. (laughs) Exactly. But my gratitude practice is really big. And then I go into, you know, mirror work, where you just stand in front of the mirror and you look at yourself and you talk about, you know, forgiving yourself. And this is something I learned from Lisa Nichols. You stand in front of the mirror and you um, forgive yourself for seven things daily. You Tell yourself you love yourself for seven things daily, and you make a commitment of doing seven things daily. Mm. And that works as well as telling yourself, I love you, I accept you, um, and, and pulling out other affirmations. And then we can then go into affirmation work. I know this is a little bit more than you would ask me for, but everything sort of can lead into something else to help with shifting energy, learning to accept yourself, learning to love yourself. And ultimately, when you love yourself, you know, you, you've got it. You've got everything hook, line, and seeker. And, and what I like to say is people tend to walk around with holes in their heart. Oh, yes. Um, from deficits that they feel. And as a baker, as a former baker, I like to use my cake analogy. And when you start accepting yourself and when one learns to love themselves, their heart becomes a whole cake. Mm-hmm. And they don't need anything else because people tend to fill their holes with people or material things or experiences like drugs, alcohol, whatever, which, you know, eventually leave you in one capacity or another, leaving you with holes. But when you love yourself, when you accept yourself, you fill these holes with your own essence of love. Mm-hmm. And so anything else that you bring into your life, like a, uh, like a partner or a friend relationship, or business part- partnership, it's frosting on the cake. It enhances what you have, yes. but it's not the foundation, which is the cake. Absolutely. And so, I, so I love my cake analogy because all of these things help you to make your cake whole and anything else becomes frosting. And if the frosting goes away, you still have this amazing, moist, tasty cake that, that's of your own essence. Absolutely. Oh, that is so beautiful. So we're wine, we've got like two minutes. Ooh. So tell me a little bit about Bali. I know you were at Bali recently. So tell us why you went. Uh, so I, I do. I love Bali. Bali is, is my spiritual haven. The people are so heart-centered and there's so many ceremonies and traditions. And what I went there for this time is that I am looking to build a spiritual retreat experience for next year, for 2020. Oh, so lovely. I went to experience the uh, ex- 
excursions I want to bring people with. And so the whole goal is to give them a, a little bit of teaching foundation and then offer them an excursion to, to support it. Oh, nice. And so that is the main reason that I went to Bali this time. And I want other people to be able to experience this amazing uh, island people and ceremony and tradition and learn why they do everything that they do and and the belief systems. They do an offering every morning um, through Ganesh where they have a little food, some flowers, there's money, there's, there's a sweet treat, you know, and there's prayers that go along with it. And I just found that to be absolutely beautiful because it goes into asking, you know, having Ganesh remove obstacles and bringing in manifestation of health, prosperity, you know, good things happening for them. Yeah, it's a beautiful morning practice. You, you also have built yourself a beautiful morning practice as well with your gratitude and your meditations and your mirror talk and all of that. It sets a, a really firm foundation to begin the day with. And I love that. Thank you. Lovely thing to have those kind of spiritual practices anchoring you in the world. It, it's true. And I find that it has, it, it, it really, it, yeah, it anchors, but it also you know, let spirit know that we are one and I know we're one. And, and once you let spirit know about that, you know, spirit will acknowledge that they will show up for you. Absolutely. And that's the important thing to do is trust and have faith that they're going to, that, that they've got you. And I know we've said that earlier. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Marla. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Sophia. So before I go today, before we sign off, I just want to remind you that uh, Second Saturdays is coming up in June on the 8th, and we will be embracing our financial flow in June. So if you're interested in learning more about this, you can go to Second Saturdays. Oh, nope. Delete, uncreate. <laughs> Let's back that up. It's Zofia Second Saturdays. It's Z-O-F-I-A. S-E-C-O-N-D-S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-S dot com. SophiaSecondSaturdays.com. And you can learn more about becoming involved in the Embracing Your Financial Flow experience that's coming on June 8th. Uh, as always, you can catch up with me on Facebook. I'm Zofia Renea, Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And you can hook up with Marla also on Facebook at Marla, M-A-R-L-A dot Goldberg, G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G dot nine. And you can continue this conversation. You can ask more about the stuff we have coming. We'd love to hear from you. And until next week, continue to live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 